We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Get the Discharge podcast, coming to you live on New Year's Eve, wrapping up the year 2022 today, uh, wrapping up our coverage of Chargers and Rams as well. Uh, can't believe we're we're at this point, man. You know, time has, has certainly flown by this year as we're uh, heading into week 17 of the NFL season. Uh, and joining me today are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing this uh, afternoon for you? Yeah, happy new year to everyone. 2022, certainly one of the years in history uh, and uh, excited to get this show on the road and finish out the year. It's it's certainly a year. We can say that for sure. Uh, Tyler's here as well, man. Tyler, what's up? How are you doing? And uh, I like the hat as always. Yeah, I kind of hate the hat, but, you know, I'm going to stick with it for the rest of the show. You know, I'll never wear it again this year, so I'll go for it. Um, yeah, it was definitely a year. I was happy to be alive for that year and alive heading into next year. Cross my fingers, knock on wood, I guess. But um, the Chargers are ahead of the postseason, and so maybe it's a, it's a new year, new Chargers, but we'll see. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get to the playoffs when we uh, you know cross that bridge for sure. Uh, and like Alex said, you know, obviously wish everybody a happy New Year. You know, uh, individually, I think each of us have had had some uh, very productive years, and you know, in terms of the podcast, we've really been able to uh, grow the audience with you guys. So appreciate all the support throughout all of the this season. Hopefully. Uh, if this is your first time, uh, you know, first season listening, hopefully you'll stick around uh, for all of the uh, off-season covers that we do in terms of free agency, draft, all that good stuff. Um, you know, hoping to uh, continue to take the podcast to new heights in uh, 2023. But uh, hope everyone has a great time celebrating tonight. 
hopefully everybody is uh, safe. And then, uh, you know, we'll have a great time celebrating together. Hopefully a win uh, on New Year's Day tomorrow. So uh, we're going to do a little uh, a little bit of a different show today uh, as we do on Saturdays. We'll, you know, we'll have our final thoughts and picks and predictions, take some questions as well. Um, but we wanted to kind of uh, get into the New Year's spirit a little bit here and uh, revisit some of the best moments from 2022 and uh, talk about some lessons that we've learned from uh, this year as well. Obviously, as it relates to the uh, the Chargers, not going to be talking about like, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, be humble kind of lessons, although that should be a lesson every single year, I feel like. Um, but yeah, so we'll uh, we'll dive into some of our favorite moments from 2022, uh, talk about some lessons from this season, and then we'll get into our uh, usual Saturday content. So uh, Tyler looks like has a Google sheet for us as we kind of look in, uh, you know, prepa- in preparation. Oh, no, that's just our weekly picks. That's our weekly picks. All right. My mistake. Um, okay, so we'll start with Alex here. We'll we'll start with best moments of 2022 as it relates to the Chargers, um, and then we'll do some uh, lessons as well. So, Alex, what was your your favorite moment from the Chargers 2022 calendar year? Um, it, it's weird because I think the best moment from 2022 is both the best moment and a lesson, uh, and that is our post free agency show. Uh, in which, you know, we we all got on here. They signed, you know, I mean, they made the trade for Khalil back. They signed JC Jackson. They signed Austin Johnson and, you know, Sebastian Joseph Day and make all these moves. And I, I think the general like theme of that show was this is, you know, the, the all in year making all the moves that you need to make. And things play out differently than you think they will, because obviously JC Jackson gets hurt early in the year. Austin Johnson hurt this year and somehow they're still a playoff team. Right. Um, despite, you know, all the injuries that they've had to suffer through. Um, so, you know, say, same with the draft coverage, um, that we do every year, you know, certain moves play out differently and, and then you think they will. I thought that certainly the rest of the rookie class would contribute a little more than they had this year. Sure. Um, but yeah, as a whole, just, uh, the way that, you know, the, the off season pans out is never how you think it is in practice. Uh, so I guess that is kind of both a, a celebration and a lesson because that was still, you know, one of our funner podcasts we recorded in 2022. Go ahead, Tyler. No, I was just going to agree with all of that. I remember well, when they started, when they traded for Kalumak, of course, that was a big hype yeah. podcast. I, th- I think that was, was that our first thousand live viewer one or was it the JC one? I think JC was. Don't remember. E- either way, it was a lot of fun. Um, one of those certainly I think has worked out pretty well. The other one, um, <laughs> uh, mixed results. I'll start with that. Maybe it'll get better. <laughs> uh, we do have some more time to salvage the move, but. Yeah, it doesn't always work out the way you want. Sometimes the guys you get, you know, as Arjun points out with the draft, there's rarely a draft steal. And sometimes maybe in free agency, there's rarely a free agent steal because maybe there's a reason the price was lower than, you know, you might have expected. Still hope that things work out. You know, the injury, the situation did give us a great Michael Davis season, so that's great. But um, yeah, very, very different. Not always how you uh, plan things. Yeah, you know, when we look back, you know, in a few years on this free agency class, on this draft class, it's going to be very curious to see kind of what happens. Obviously, the J.C. Jackson situation, you know, that's more about health at this current point. And, you know, thankfully, it sounds like the, the legal situation was cleared up at least a little bit. So, you know, if J.C. Jackson can return to health, obviously, I think we'll feel a little bit different about the free agency class. But I think we can comfortably say, you know, they hit on Bryce Callahan, they hit on Morgan Fox. Um, Calvin Noy took a little bit, but it sounds like they hit on him a- as well. So, um, you know, it remains to be seen for the draft class. But 
Um, you know, the, I think there are several moments for me. I think my my personal favorite moment, of course, has to be when the Chargers drafted Zion, you know, with the three of us at the draft. And, you know, uh, what a rare time where the Chargers get the guy that you want and advocate for. Um, different situations, obviously. I, I really wanted Rashawn Slater in there before that, but never really thought that they had a chance to get him. And then obviously, you know, certain cards fell that way. But um, you know, them choosing Zion was uh, was was a lot of fun, and obviously being there at the draft physically to see it uh, was fun as well. In terms of mm-hmm. the actual season, I'm going to go with a very underrated moment for me is the Derwin interception against the Cardinals uh, mm. when he was covering DeAndre Hopkins, uh, which obviously prompted Kyler Murray to say that schematically the Cardinals were kind of fucked after the game. <laughs> um, and I think for me, that's a moment that stands out because I think that's a moment that kind of launched this defensive resurgence uh, that we've seen over the last few weeks. And so, um, you know, it being Derwin, of course, you know, the best player on the defense, you know, the heart and soul of the team, I think is is important. But um, just a great play, great scheme, great uh, design on everything. Uh, and it was a fourth down uh, chance as well. So the Cardinals really still at that point had a chance to win. Obviously, the Chargers only won by one point. Um, mm-hmm. But that, to me, is a moment that stands out in the season that kind of propelled the Chargers to this uh, postseason run, you know, specifically on defense over the last few weeks. Yeah, and I mean, that Cardinals game as a whole, them driving down, getting the two-point conversion to Gerald Everett, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that's a season-defining moment. Um, yeah. If they lose that game and don't get the two-point conversion or, or don't, you know, rally or play like they did in the first half uh, for in the second half of that game, sure. I don't know if we're sitting here talking about the Chargers as a playoff team. Right? It depends on, you know, what the rest of the AFC uh, kind of would have done. But definitely a moment that sort of supercharged this team and, and gave them some hope that, you know, as, as bad as it looked at times, especially entering Dolphins week and entering, you know, the, the mm-hmm. two week stretch against the Dolphins and Titans where they did ultimately prove themselves um, that something was salvageable. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the Cardinals game because I think most media members, well, first, they didn't watch it, but two, they didn't, they just, they just forgot about that game because. You know, Herbert has a fantastic game, maybe not statistically, but you see him under pressure, how he diagnoses, how he has that entire game, and then nothing from anybody. Then against the Raiders, it's a bit more difficult because he's under duress. And of course, all the media members come out, oh, you know, Herbert, you know, fifth or fourth best quarterback from his class or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Of course. And then he goes out against the Dolphins and, and shreds it and really reverses the narrative faster and more fiercely than I've ever seen a narrative be flipped um fantastic game fantastic pick from derwin the zion johnson pick man that was 33 percent picking zion 66 7 whatever percent not picking trevor penning I remember <laughs> in, in that moment like listen he might be a fantastic player we said that like he might be a great player who's with the right you know team when he went to the saints he has duke penny weather working with him he's in a good spot I just didn't want to find out. And so I, we were all expecting Trevor Penning at that moment. Um, of course, like Alex said, you know, how you view things in free agency, Trey Pipkins worked out way better than yeah. everyone but Trey Pipkins. And really, that's probably it. And his mother. And Duke, probably. And Duke. And <laughs> probably Duke. Yeah, I'm sure even Duke was a bit surprised because, I mean, he said he improved the most. But for him to have been, you know, what, zero pressures allowed the last two weeks, I mean, that yeah. kind of player is bizarre. So, yeah, Zion being picked was awesome. I'm so happy that about – five percent of me is in that shot of our celebration <laughs> steven and argent and I, like my eyeball in like one frame um, that was a good moment that was fun being at the draft 
Yeah, it really was. And I, I think you can certainly play the what if game in terms of, you know, picking that spot, um, you know, who they would be, you know, selecting, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, they could have taken obviously Traylon Burks on the pick after that. Um, that hasn't necessarily been, you know, super panned out. I mean, Daxton Hill, uh, you know, that that was a commonly Same. mocked player there. But, you know, he's he's been a good player, obviously. But, you know, how does he fit in with this group? Um mm-hmm. You know, Jermaine Johnson hasn't exactly had a, a, a very good rookie season. So, you know, it, it the draft is is very hit or miss. And, you know, the, the Chargers coming away with Zion, um, I think, was needed. Obviously, that, that was the kind of the conversation from our side of things that they needed to come in and, and get somebody who can contribute right away. And Zion has done that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think you watch him and watch him on tape. And there are certainly some some whiffs that he has. You know, he had a, a bad couple reps against DeForest Buckner this week. But if you watch the the whole game, you know, Zion is one of the best offensive linemen on the team. To me, he's the best run blocker on the team. And I think mm. you take his rookie season, you know, 10 times out of 10. And obviously, you know, we wish everybody were Rashawn Slater, right? And all pro immediately. But Zion coming in and being a quality player right away is is at least meeting my expectations for his rookie season. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say the draft in general. Um, I mean, you guys were at the draft with Arjun. I, I was doing it on the channel and there was a three pick sequence in which the Chargers drafted Zion Johnson. Uh, the Eagles traded for AJ Brown and then the Saints took Trevor Penning. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> as well as they could for, for you guys, for all of us. Um, and yeah, just was fun to cover the draft too, because it always mm-hmm. is you know, on the channel. You get a notification, you have New Orleans trading up for a receiver, you have Detroit trading up for Jamison Williams, um, and just the fun that ensues every year. And everyone, I, th- I think we had a decent amount of viewers that stream too. So it was uh, just a really fun night uh, all around. Yeah, absolutely. Before uh, Tyler gives his uh, here, I have to give a shout out quickly to uh, Keith, a new member on YouTube. Uh, obviously, we appreciate all of our YouTube members and you're able to get uh, the discord link in there if you're at a certain tier. So uh, hopefully uh, Keith and all the new members recently are uh, signing up for that. Uh, And then of course have to give a shout out to Tyler's mom who uh, loves his hat and uh, always in here with the super stickers. So I appreciate Tyler's mom as always. Thanks mom. Love you. Thank you for the hat. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tyler, uh, what's your uh, top moment of the 2020 2022 calendar year? Excuse me. Oh man, where I could go a lot of different directions with this one. I think just for pure single game performance sake, I loved Khalil Mack's performance against the Raiders in week one. Mm-hmm. He had five run stops. I didn't realize that was on nine run defense snaps. So that's pretty good. <laughs> um, then of course the that's three solid. sacks. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, and then three sacks on Derek Carr. Just and not even just like some of the cleanup sacks or whatever. Like he was just flat out annihilating the tackles he went against. That was great. Mm-hmm. To me, I think my favorite moment is, is potentially a performance that it's so funny that I, none of us have picked a specific Herbert performance yet but Dustin Hopkins against Denver really was a legitimate great and perfect performance for a guy that was injured first you had you know to win the game you have Jaw Taylor set up the special teams um, you know forced fumble and of course that's when we all like hailed Ryan Ficken in that moment um, but then he went four for four on the day. Of course, it is extra point as well. It was a tight game. It was a game winner, you know, in prime time, overtime. He played through pain and he ended up going on IR because he kind of played through that. And it genuinely might have cost him his job. But he was out <laughs> yeah. there kicking perfect in a game they absolutely needed him. 
I mean, game winner, overtime, injured in primetime against a division rival, tight game. I mean, that's a heck of a performance. And I, I feel bad that it probably cost him his job in the end. But still, one heck of a moment. Yeah, I mean, uh, I shudder to think about what would have happened if J.K. Scott had to uh, kick field goals in that game. Uh, not to say it would have been as <laughs> as bad as Drew um, Kayser. As Drew Kayser, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know that you know. Shout out to Dustin Hopkins, of course, man. Uh, rightfully got AFC special teams player. Mm-hmm. All right. Any other uh, moments that you guys want to shout out here before we get to some of our uh, lessons? I, I think Herbert uh, against the Dolphins is, yeah. is the pretty like big one this year. If you're just talking about like a single game performance, and that was one where uh, I fell asleep during the game <laughs> and watched it the next morning. Um, but yeah, I mean, just just an absolute privilege to just watch him play. And you sort of just look at the stat line, and you know, this is sort of like the narrative with Herbert, and you know how this offense has been this year. It's like you, you know, had 300 yards that game. Obviously, had the one touchdown, but like nothing would jump out to you in that stat line in the way that you know someone had you know four touchdowns or 400 yards or something right but then you just watch the throws and the clinic that he put on that defense yeah. was just absolutely um insane and and really mm-hmm. saved the charger season um you know from what it would have been they come into that game incredibly shorthanded uh you have foster Starrell getting poor foster Starrell getting blown up by jalen phillips and you know spin moves every play uh and herbert you know through all of it finds a way to grit the Chargers to a win mm-hmm. that game while also putting up 360 yards and a touchdown. Um, just, you know, for me, when we talk about Herbert's 2022, which isn't as flashy as, say, statistically as his 2021 or his 2020, those are the kind of games where I'm like, this is why he's better than mm-hmm. he was in those years, right? The ability to kind of just drag the team to that win that, you know, they really weren't supposed to have. Um, so for Herbert to come through in that game uh, was just really impressive to me as a whole. Yeah, I think you could make a similar argument argument for that final drive against the Titans, you know, where yeah. he's clearly not having his best performance. I mean, you know, I, I think it was a solid performance after watching the tape, but, you know, you have the two interceptions. Um, you're just not able to get anything going against a, a bad Titans defense. And uh, then you have this, you know, awesome two-minute drill where you have this great throw to Mike Williams. So, you know, I, I think if somebody picked that throw to Mike Williams as an individual top moment of the year, I, I could totally mm-hmm. understand that, um, you know, given the circumstances that they needed that to win the game. And um, it, it didn't necessarily like catapult them to to new heights or anything like that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think Justin has really been a, a very clutch performer when given the chance. And I think you can point to, you know, that four minute drive against the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football to give themselves a chance with uh, ending with a Josh Palmer touchdown as well. So, um, you know, Justin has had some some great clutch situation moments. And, uh, you know, I think that can not be overstated enough, especially dealing with, you know, his own injury and all the other injuries and things mm-hmm. like that that uh, have happened this season. Yeah, both Chiefs drives. I know that he didn't win either game, but the one with the cracked ribs in the first game. Well, it wasn't even a go-ahead touchdown, but just to see that dart to DeAndre Carter, yeah. the touchdown to Josh Palmer, again, they didn't win. He did throw the pick six, albeit not his fault. But still, you see, like, this dude's a warrior, and we really hadn't seen, because he's never had an injury like that that we've seen from him. Banged up maybe a couple times in some games, but in that particular moment, as much pain as he was in, I mean, the play before, he threw the ball in the dirt instead of running two yards for him, a wide-open first down. Yeah. Because he, he literally just couldn't do it. And the next play, he throws a dart to DeAndre Carter, one of his best throws of the year. And then he ends up with the Josh Palmer touchdown. Amazing. 
and really just kind of symbolizes what the Chargers have had to do this entire year. Like you're hurt, you're banged up. It's not going all that well, but you keep fighting. I think Justin Herbert is obviously leading the team there. And then just the go-ahead touchdown against the Chiefs, like you mentioned on, on Sunday Night Football. Again, they did not win, but that's not his fault. They put up 27 points. They did enough, you know, I think, to win. And he did lead them down the field for a touchdown. Again, fourth down, huge, you know, 51-yard bomb to Keenan on one of the best throws you'll see all year. Um, so you just again didn't win either of those games, but like that's your quarterback. This is the quarterback you want to have on your team because he can rally your team, whether he's banged up or down seven or whatever. Like he's going to keep fighting. Yeah, you know, great point from uh Teresa Compapas here. You know, that throw against the chips on uh, mm-hmm. I assume he means the Chiefs on fourth down with broken ribs after he could barely muster that throw away, had him almost in tears. That's my quarterback TO moment for sure. I think that was really when we we started to appreciate you know just the the sheer toughness of of Justin Herbert in a way that you know we we hadn't seen yet i mean obviously we we had you know the torn acl game from philip rivers and you know this <laughs> year we get the uh broken ribs game from uh from Justin Herbert and really the <laughs> broken ribs season mhm yeah uh, quick shout out as well from uh Renee uh for the super sticker it is also Renee's birthday today so Renee happy, oh, happy birthday, birthday. Hope you have a, a doubly good time celebrating tonight. All right, let's get to some lessons here uh, from 2022. Uh, I'll kick this one off first. I think for me, one of the biggest lessons, you know, we, we talked a little bit about free agency, but uh, my biggest lesson is to appreciate great assistant coaching when you get it. Mm. And uh, obviously mm-hmm. sparked a little bit by Frank Smith here and just mm-hmm. the way that, you know, he coached the offensive line last season. And there's just a, a different feeling. You know, everybody has kind of wondered, like, what's the difference in terms of like pass protection? Why is Justin Herbert getting sacked more? I think there's certainly some personnel issues, like obviously not having Rashawn Slater, not having Corey Lindsay for stretches. Uh, you know, Matt Filer regressing a little bit. Some of that is is obviously impacting things. But I look at just the way that Frank Smith had that unit last year buttoned up constantly, and it's not like it was totally perfect. I mean, we had. Uh, four games of Ode Ibushi, which was really good. We only got a half of Brian Balaga, which is like <laughs> so crazy to me to look back on the fact that Brian Balaga was still on the Chargers last year. Technically speaking, I mean, Storm Norton was was playing the whole season. Michael Schofield played 12 games. So it's not like uh, Frank Smith had like this elite offensive line to play with. And, uh, you know, the protection plans every single week, I always look forward to watching them. And it's just a, a different kind of feel this year. Again, I understand the personnel has not been fantastic, but there's just some communication things that I think made me kind of miss Frank Smith. So in that same vein, I want to give a big shout out to three assistant coaches in particular. Obviously, first and foremost is Ryan Ficken. Uh, yeah. you know, we, we've talked a lot about him on this show. I think for me, kind of looking back at some of the things that happened in the offseason that Ryan Ficken has hit on, uh, he was a big advocate for J.K. Scott and, and his mm-hmm. signing. Um, that has worked out very, very well for the Chargers. And not to say that J.K. Scott is this elite punter, but you know he's second in the league in hang time right now. He's first in the league in fair catches. So uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Ficken had a plan. He knew what he was looking for. He identified his guy and went out and got him. Uh, we also heard from Tom Telesco leading into the draft that Ryan Ficken was going to be uh, very involved in day three and identifying some special teams fits. And look who they got, man. I mean, uh, Josh Taylor, Dean Leonard, Raheem Lane as an undrafted free agent who's come on recently. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Eamon Ogbong and Nick Neiman are playing fantastic ball on special teams. And, you know, we all kind of looked at the signing of Troy Reader as, you know, kind of a defensive signing, but mm-hmm. he's playing fantastic on special teams too. So, uh, you know, Ryan Ficken took the Vikings from uh, 29th in special teams DVA uh, in 2020 to 13th in 2021. This year, he's taken the Chargers from 28th. They're 11th right now. So Ryan Ficken, to me, deserves a huge shout out. Um, probably a sneaky head coaching candidate after next season if he's able to kind of keep this up because mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's great in player development. He's clearly got an eye for talent evaluation. And uh, frankly, turning the Chargers special teams around should be a huge feather in anyone's cap. Um, the other two I wanted to shout out are um, Derek Ansley and yeah. Jay Rogers. Uh, Derek mm-hmm. Ansley has really been crucial in the development of several guys. Obviously, Santi Samuel Jr. has taken a, a pretty big step this season, a, a very viable player. I mean, Jossier Taylor, both ways here, uh, has really come in and played well in his moments as, as a rookie uh, and the big one for me is Alohi Gilman and the way that Alohi Gilman has kind of turned his career around. And, you know, Tyler mentioned a few weeks ago, just consistently beating out players that have been brought in to replace him. And uh, Alohi has played incredibly well over the last few weeks. And then Jay Rogers, man, like I know everybody has made fun of the run defense, but it has never once been about the defensive line. And you talk about playing through attrition and like getting the most out of your guys and I know people like to, to point out Brain Fahoko. Obviously, that's kind of the big one. But, mm-hmm. I mean, Chris Hinton has looked good. I mean, he had a, a great pressure against Quentin Nelson, Nelson last week. Um, I mean, Christian Covington was better this year. I mean, Otito Ogbonia was really flashing. And, and none of us were really super excited about that draft pick. So, um, Jay Rogers has done tremendous work this year and dealing with all of the, the injuries that have happened. Uh, you know, his his ability as a coach to get the most out of that group, I think is something that deserves a shout out. So it was Frank Smith last year. I think he deserved a lot of credit for everything this year. I think Ryan Ficken, uh, Derek Ansley and Jay Rogers have uh, really earned their keep uh, this season as assistant coaches and definitely wanted to uh, give them a shout out as we try and, you know, appreciate what we have in that regard. I love that. I didn't think to go that route at all, but that's, that's wonderful. And yeah, you can definitely start with Ryan Ficken because every move he makes is like the Midas touch. Everything seems to turn to gold. He's like, oh, you know, I don't want JT Woods out there. I don't want, you know, Mark Webb. Let's go with Raheem Lane. I trust him, you know, to send him out and smack some guys like, okay, DeAndre Harder just got hit really hard. So Raheem, I want you to go out there and just kill that Dolphins player. And he does it. And of course, Carter, you know, picks up good returns, you know, against the, um, the Colts. Last time on Monday Night Football, a great tackle for like at the 11 on kickoff return. The jaw, you know, the pick of Jaw Taylor, Dean Leonard, Jaw Taylor forcing the fumble that won them the game. We just talked about special teams winning them the game. How many times has special teams won the Chargers the game? Really, like not necessarily at the very end, but just throughout the game. Um, just a really, really solid performance against the Cardinals. DeAndre Carter, his return with the amount of time that they had left. They needed a big return from Carter, and he got them there. I don't know if they would have had enough time for those twenty, you know, more yards that Carter picked up. So that that's a great one. But um, Jay Rogers, uh, what what a what a job he's done. Um, couldn't salvage Jerry Tillery, but I suppose at that point, if Jay <laughs> he's Rogers, he's not perfect. Can, yeah, then the nobody can, I suppose. Um, but we heard about this great, you know, interior defensive line coach. For some reason, he was coaching the edge rushers last year. 
this year back to his normal spot. And really, everyone that's been healthy has either looked good or is having a career year. Um, and I also want to shout out to that certain extent an unsung hero because he's their, you know, personal trainer, I guess. And that's that's Coach Ed, who works mm-hmm. with half of this interior defensive line group um, during the off season. So that's Sebastian Joseph Day, Otito Agbonia, Morgan Fox, and I think Hinton as well. Yep. Um, so he's been working with those guys. He's a maybe a big part of the success as well. Morgan Fox looks fantastic, and anything that really took Jerry Tillery off the field a bit more and then eventually eventually off the roster. Not bad. So yeah, a lot of unsung heroes um, in terms of the coaching staff. I know we don't love all the coordinators and members of the coaching staff, but they did, you know, like last year, but now maybe more on the defensive side of the ball, they have more guys that I really believe in, or at least I believe in them more than I did last year. Yeah. I mean, I I think the coaching staff is definitely, you know, a big thing to talk about in terms of the players that have been picked. And uh, I, I think preseason, really mattered this year right in a way that you know you sort of expect to go into the season it's like okay my wide receivers are keenan allen and mike williams and jalen guyton josh palmer maybe this you know deandre carter guy is like the fifth and he winds up being a pro bowl alternate because of injuries um and then of course we talked about all the guys that we you know sort of pumped up in the preseason uh michael bandy ends up playing some really critical snaps for this team you know when guys were down obviously Joe Casiano gets an awesome sack against Tennessee. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, gets injured right after, which which kind of sucks. But uh, you know, as a whole, just all of the guys that we talked about in the preseason and sort of raved about and like you know promoted uh, in that way for this team, them you know playing these big moments, um, I, I think is you know really important and really surprising just as a whole. Uh, and then yeah, obviously Ryan Ficken kind of. Manning the special teams through everything it went through, through, you know, here's Dustin Hopkins, here's, uh, oh God, who was the kicker who won against Taylor Bertolette. <laughs> Bertolette. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Uh, Bertolette and then, you know, Dicker the kicker now, right? So there's been so many changes through that special teams. Um, obviously, we talked about J.K. Scott a lot in the preseason. He ends up being a guy that, you know, ends up proving himself as the punting job he'd done this year you know, improving a lot over, you know, what Ty Long did there last year. So, yeah, I think just as a whole, the contributions that the Chargers have gotten from guys on defense that really were not supposed to start um, in any capacity, uh, certainly at least from week one, uh, I I think has been monumental. And obviously the coaching staff uh, and all the guys that Steven talked about um, is, is instrumental in that. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even mention the the three kickers. I mean, what other special teams coordinator from the mm-hmm. Chargers has been able to to handle that kind of transition throughout the season? Um, this is an interesting one too. I didn't I didn't necessarily think about Michael Wilhoit, um, mm. <laughs> aka me, I guess my doppelganger, <laughs> if you want to point that out. Yeah, uh, but Solo Man kind of pointed this out too. I mean, Drew Tranquil is one of the six or seven best players on the Chargers this year. I mean, Kenneth Murray has mm-hmm. has certainly developed throughout the season and made some real progress over the last few weeks. So um, Michael Wilhoyt is another one that I think uh, could deserve a uh, shout out as well. Yeah, that's a great one. I mean, last year with Kaiser White career season, barely gets paid as a whole other thing. You insert Drew Tranquil and he has a career season by a million miles. Part of that's just staying healthy and the scheme and the opportunity. But yeah, he looks fantastic. I mean, Spin move versus Quentin Nelson. I don't know when you're practicing that, <laughs> um, but it looked great and legitimately only missed a sack because of it. Um, and, and yeah, Kenneth Murray was not great to start the year. Wouldn't say he's even a good player right now, but he's an improving player. And at this point, that's just all I want to see. Well, that's 
I would like to see a great player, but improving is, is certainly good. So, yeah, Michael Wilhoit, pretty good one. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Tyler, we'll go with you next here. What's your uh, big lesson from 2022? Yeah, that's that's not sitting on your hands and, and doing nothing uh, after the draft. You know, commit to some post-draft moves. Where would the defense be without the guys we just mentioned? Morgan Fox, Kyle Van Noy. They're second and third on the team in pressures. Uh, they have a combined 62 pressures and nine sacks on the year. And these are post-draft moves. Bryce Callahan's one of the best slot corners in the league. For a while, he was arguably the best corner or even defensive back on the team. And these guys combined to make under $5 million this year. Um, and the Chargers probably have two more losses if those moves aren't made. You know, if you don't have Morgan Fox, you don't have Kyle Van Noy, you don't have Bryce Callahan, they're not as good of a team, not even close. Um, and so you can just see that post-draft moves like that are huge. On the flip side, is doing absolutely nothing, and that's bad. Uh, you, letting Foster Serral be your, your right tackle after Trey Pipkins, or, or just not even having a right tackle backup you know, plan really at all, or at least a good one, is very frustrating. Jamari Sawyer should really not be playing left tackle, and I doubt that was even the plan. But things just turned out so bad because they didn't do anything else to bring in real competition that they had to turn to him. Now, thankfully, it's worked out as best as it really possibly could, given the circumstances. Yeah, But it, it, you know, the wide receiver moves, the lack of a, a true other tight end, the lack of you know tackle help. Not that the offseason, you know, you can you're not able to do everything you can in the offseason, but at some point, you know, watching Foster Serral get beat up the way he was, or just knowing that you were going to start him. And and really, if the offensive coaching staff had that little confidence in Storm Norton, something should have been done. You know, I don't know why the Chargers like Ryan Ficken seems to have a really good hold and control, and same with Brandon Staley with the defense and the special teams. Like, okay, we're going to insert these guys. We're kind of going to bring these guys in. And I really feel like on those two phases, there's a little bit more control. I feel like the offense is just kind of like, I don't know, like we got the guys that we got and we can't really do anything about it. So do your best. That's true. And I, I don't know why that's the case. I don't know if that's a Telesco specific thing or what, but something has to be done. And so the the difference between, again, Morgan Fox and Kyle Van Noy, 62 pressures, Versus like doing nothing and again, no offense, but having Foster Sorrell as your 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 backup tackle, there's a huge difference. They could have used I, I don't know who, but a Morgan Fox Akava, Noah Bryce Callahan type at tackle, at receiver, at tight end to come in because you know, I, would the offense be a whole lot better with Joe Lombardi at coordinator? I don't know, but you gotta give him a shot. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point here. And you know, the, the personnel, the roster management has has been kind of a, a weak point on offense and just their their general philosophy at wide receiver. I understand that they have certain, you know, special teams, uh, you know, things that they in terms of the roster that they have to hit, right? That they they need those kind of back ends of the spot. But I mean, they've they've carried four active receivers on the roster on game day, like I think the entire season. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's one point against um I think it was the Titans where DeAndre Carter got a little bit banged up on a punt return. And it's like, okay, for the rest of the game, you're potentially looking at Mike Keenan and Josh Palmer. Thankfully, Mm -hmm. DeAndre Carter was okay, but you know, they were always just like the one injury away from receiver. And you know, it came to a head against the Seahawks where, you know, against the Seahawks, they're, they're trying to come back and they have Jason Moore, Michael Bandy and DeAndre Carter as their only receivers because Mike Williams had gotten hurt because Keenan Allen had his, hit his uh, snap count threshold. So um, 
for whatever reason, you know, the offense is just kind of behind in that regard. And, you know, outside of play calling and stuff like that, you know, the, the, the personnel management on offense is certainly lacking. So I think that's, that's a good point, Tyler. And obviously you hit kind of, you know, positive sides and negative sides there. Yeah. I think roster construction as a whole, we talked about that, you know, plenty of times on offensive defense and which guys they're elevating from the practice squad one week, you know, which guys they're not. Uh, I think that's definitely some of the story of 2022 uh, in terms of, you know, some of the moves the Chargers didn't make. But yeah, as a whole, I think you sort of question why there's been so many of so much development in terms of, you know, some of the you know, uh, depth guys on the defense versus there just hasn't been that same development of some of the depth guys on offense. Uh, you would have liked to have seen that, you know, a little bit more. Uh, but, you know, at the same time. They are paying, you know, top dollar for, I, I guess, some of the guys on offense and obviously the defensive injuries, you know, sort of gave some of those guys a chance to prove themselves. But at the same time, you just do see a little bit more of that development from the practice squad, undrafted, you know, late round guys uh, on the defensive side of the ball than you do the offense. And that is, I think, the concerning thing going forward a little bit. Um, but yeah, so I think the Chargers nailed some things in terms of roster management that well, ended up kind of saving them towards the end of the season, right? We talked about the post-draft signings of, of Bryce Callahan and others. You know, who knows where the Chargers would be without those moves. But then, yeah, uh, you would have liked to have seen them at some points this season be a little bit more proactive than reactive or even be reactive when things are going bad yeah. because mm -hmm. uh, they kind of weren't. <laughs> Yeah, I, w I would have uh, loved, you know, like the, the equivalent of signing, uh, you know, Chris Hinton or something like that, a right tackle. Like, that'd be fun. Um, all right, Alex, your uh, your big lesson from 2022. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um... I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know if I have like a super big lesson here other than, you know, just kind of going in with, you know, the season playing out differently than you expect it to um, is always kind of the story with the Chargers. Um, but yeah, just just the way that they won some of these games um, and the way that it played out differently than I thought it would. If you said that the Chargers were an 11 and six or 10 and 17 before the season, like most of us predicted, uh, I would have believed you. But for it to happen in the way that it did, where it's the defense that's carrying the team the last four weeks and it's the offense that's struggling, you know, with Justin Herbert, that's not something that I would have predicted before the season. 
Um, I wouldn't have predicted that Cameron Dicker would have three game winning field goals uh, and two of them would be for the Chargers, you know, when I didn't even know who what his name was before the year started. Um, so, yeah, of course, just things playing out differently uh, than you expect. But, you know, obviously that's sort of a, if you want to get to a resolution point here in 2023, you know, just ways to improve the offense in general from what it is now. So they uh, kind of a true starter going forward um that's obviously something you want to see and then yeah just just as chargers in terms of the lessons of 2022 it is just kind of you know this is a contending team now and they should be in the position to do that going forward but if you don't take into account the lessons that we've talked about you know this year then you might repeat some of the same mistakes uh in terms of roster construction and uh, coaching and personnel management and and all of those things. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a great point as well. I, I, I think, you know, this team going forward has to treat themselves like they did this past season. Obviously, you're not going to have the same kind of cap space and things like that, right? But from now on, the Chargers know that they have to operate as a contender, and that's really the only way that they're able to to be able to get to that point. Obviously, the season's not over. But, you know, this team, every single offseason, like there's no no more getting cute. Like you have to operate as a contender because you are one every single season with Justin Herbert at quarterback. Um, so one other thing that I think just from a general football standpoint, I think that this season has really showed me how much a true legitimate tight end one matters for mm-hmm. you. Uh, this is something that I have kind of talked about every single year or every single week on Twitter, every time I watch film. And obviously I'm not like, not every team is going to have a Travis Kelsey or, you know, a George Kittle, but even teams who have just like a consistent, uh, you know, capable blocker, capable receiver, someone who can actually operate on every single snap what the chargers used to have in Hunter Henry, for example, uh, is something that really, really matters in today's NFL as you know the pass rushers continue to get you know more and more athletic and obviously you know you have to be able to have that security blanket so um from a general football standpoint i think i headed into this year kind of underrating the importance of having a a true tight end one i mean the the vikings go out and trade for tj hawkinson and that has paid real dividends for them i think he's second in the league in receiving this year among tight ends so uh this tight end class uh, in the draft, sounds like there's like legitimately five really good ones. Chargers need to get one uh, coming out of next draft. So that's going to be a take for another time. But uh, just, you know, uh, personnel rise, NFL football wise, like tight ends are, are, I think, really incredibly underrated at this point. Yeah, I, I didn't even I even underestimated the impact of a tight end two on this team. <laughs> Fair. I, I didn't realize <laughs> how much a tight end two who sometimes had to have been tight end one has really tanked a lot of what the chargers want to do. And maybe there's smarter ways to scheme around that. Maybe there's ways to just not play him at all or whatever, or, but the Chargers just, I'm surprised at how much, like you said, a tight end would really, or not having a true tight end one has affected this team and how much having the wrong tight end two has really hurt this team as well. I guess they have the right tight end two, but for the most of the year they haven't. Um, I'm all in on, on tight end next year, uh, barring a, a signing in free agency, which they probably can't do again, topic for a different time, but 
there's a guy in the second round. I know some people really want wide receiver, but I would find that a tight end would be just as, as valuable, if not more valuable, in the second round. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I feel like I underestimated it during free agency too because they signed Gerald Everett to a two-year deal, and Gerald Everett is, you know, has been fine yeah. um, as a tight end, but losing him for a couple games and then seeing the drop off to Trey McKitty while Donald Donald Parham's hurt, um, you know, just sort of got at you know how thin i think this tight end room you know was and then you know of course like not having high end play at times and you know like steven said there's not travis kelsey's and george kittles for everyone um but as someone who watches the chargers and eagles every week i'd be like i'd kill for like someone who was almost as good as dallas Goddard right <laughs> on the chargers and that's sort of what they had in Hunter henry obviously that didn't work out like contractually um, but someone that it's something that you know you want for this team going forward, whether that's maybe a Michael Meyer in the draft or even somebody in the later rounds. But yeah, uh, I haven't done too much draft research. That's the only name I really know it in terms of tight end in the draft right now and the, the big guy from Georgia. Um, but uh, yeah, so Charger definitely got to get their hands on a tight end. Um, and you know, maybe they go receiver in the draft, maybe they don't, maybe they just stick with the three guys that they have now. Um, but yeah, definitely need some more offensive weapons somewhere for Justin Herbert. Yeah. And this is not necessarily a slide on Gerald. Everett. I think he's a fine tight end too. I, I think he's kind of being asked to do a little bit too much. And I think, you know, he is a, uh, at least capable blocker, but it's not who he is, right? Like he's not going to come out here and set the edge and, uh, you know, handle backside cutoffs and things like that. And that was supposed to be Trey McKitty's job. Uh, and you know, obviously not having Donald Parham for most of the year hurts as well, but, um, you know, I, I just, the value of having somebody who can be in every down tight end handle all these different roles, I think is, is huge. So, um, all right, we'll, uh, I don't know if any of you guys had other, any other lessons learned, but we'll get to our picks here and then we'll, we'll take some questions. So we'll, we'll run through our picks pretty quick here, obviously in terms of the chargers, big news. Uh, Joey Bosa is going to play tomorrow and uh, Derwin James is out. So I don't know if that's going to affect the the picks very much. <laughs> Tyler gets to go first <laughs> this week. He already has his populated in Locked here. Locked in, maybe. It's uh, kind of the easy decision. Obviously, uh <laughs> became easier with uh, you know Derek Carr being benched this week. But um, that line uh, is probably not big enough. So um, mm-hmm. Alex gets to go next here with your favorite of the week. Um. I mean, look, San Francisco over Vegas is certainly the, you know, big one of the week, but I'd argue there's a bigger one. Uh, and I'll go with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs over the Denver Broncos. Sure. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that one is a uh, rollover. Uh, the Broncos players are all locked in a basement tweeting things uh, about Russ. Uh, you know, that's their job <laughs> until Sunday. So, uh, but I think they've given up. They've given up on this, you know, coaching staff. Obviously, Hackett's gone, but. Um, I, I don't even know what they're playing for at this point uh, other than pride, I guess. Um, but yeah, the, the Chiefs are going to demolish them. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair point as well. Um, the other favorites, that's uh, not a, a, a great week. I mean, maybe Gardner Minshew bounces back this week. Um, but I'm going to go with the Giants over the Colts this week as my favorite. Um, Yannick Ngakwe placed on IR this week. Colts are obviously going back with the whole Nick Foles thing. Um, so I'm going with Brian Dayball on the Giants in a must-win situation uh, against a very bad team that the Chargers were you know, able to kind of shut down last week. So uh, yeah. I'll take the Giants over the Colts this week. Did you see Austin Eckler's reaction to Nick Foles getting the start? Again? Yeah. 
He's like, again? Never mind. Like he was uh not impressed last week, I guess. Yeah, definitely not. Um, all right, underdog pick for me. Oh man, again, not not a ton of great options here. Okay, I, I picked them last week. I'm going with it again. I'm going with the Carolina Panthers on the yeah. road, beating Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and uh, <laughs> kick them out of the playoffs. Like we've been we've been waiting. Well, not we, but uh, the NFL media has been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Buccaneers to figure it out. I don't think they ever do. Uh, I think the Panthers are just a a better coached team. They're playing harder. Um, and, you know, the Buccaneers defense is not the same defense as old. So I'm going uh, Panthers over Buccaneers. I like it. That'll be fun. That's Alex's Super Bowl 0.5. <laughs> All right, Alex, your uh, underdog pick here. Uh, underdog of the week. Um, hmm. I well, I kind of want to go with that one. So, but sorry, <laughs> not on the board anymore. The Vikings are still frauds, and I think Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is going to bullshit his way into a playoff game. I fully believe it at this point, and he all he needs to do is win two more games, and he also has uh, to demand that Carson Wentz lose one game as the Commander starter, which is more than plausible. Um, so. <laughs> I'm going to take the Packers over the Vikings. Uh, I I think that the Packers have figured some things out. Still, some things kind of look ugly, but their defense has been playing a lot better as of late. Uh, and they got a home game at Lambeau. Very difficult for Minnesota to win there recently. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers. You can have it, but technically the Packers are favored. Oh, I just assumed they were in favor. You can have um, it. Oops. Yeah, just, you can move that uh, down that. to your either or if you want. Uh, well, there's some other games that are on the board that I might like. <laughs> Underdogs. Okay. Well, I screwed that one up. I'll take the Browns over the Commanders then. Uh, the Browns are. <laughs> yeah. There you go. The Browns are going to be Carson Wentz. Uh, I I don't have many doubts about that. Yeah, I don't know, man. Sean Watson. Yeah, we'll see how that turns <laughs> out. Um, I am going to go with the fraudulent Minnesota Vikings over the Green Bay Packers. Mm. Um, I don't love it but you know it's uh, minnesota they're winning these one score games and you know maybe it'll work out this week i don't know uh wow cleveland browns or washington commanders what a game uh okay well my either or i guess i'm gonna rip alex's heart out and take the philadelphia eagles over <laughs> the new orleans saints um they took it to the cowboys and almost won thanks a lot Miles sanders yeah um i don't i don't want to talk about that game um anyway <laughs> yeah i'll yeah i'll finish it up by going packers over uh vikings Ooh, spicy there you go all right where do i want to go for my last one here i'm tempted by the lions Although I've picked them a few times this year. I don't want to overdo it. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm i going to go with a team who I think is is probably the best team in the AFC, in my opinion. And I'm going with the Bengals over the Bills. Uh, game at home. The Bengals still have a chance at the one seed. So I think they're going to have a lot to play for. And uh, Lou Anarumo, man, is just one of the best defensive minds in the league right now. So. Very excited to see what they do against Josh Allen. So I'm going with the Bengals over the Bills. Cool. I like it. 
Uh, quick shout out to uh, Everett O'Neill for the the super chat. He says, "Happy New Year's, guys! Go Chargers!" Uh, appreciate that, Everett. It's been a, a mm-hmm. constant around this uh, channel, so you know, appreciate him and appreciate the super sticker as well. Um, all right, let's get to our Chargers picks here. Uh, Tyler, kick us off, man. Uh, I have the Chargers uh, winning this one, one hundred and seventy five to five. <laughs> <laughs> any uh any thoughts as to why you're so optimistic there uh, brandon Sealy hates sean mcvay i don't know <laughs> Fair. gerald everett revenge game gerald everett. Dude, morgan morgan fox revenge morgan game. fox revenge, Sebastian Sebastian Justin Justin Day revenge game. Game. <laughs> we need eric reader on special teams <laughs> yeah exactly um alex your charges pick here uh i'm gonna go chargers 30 uh no that's too much that's too many points. <laughs> that's way too many points um, <laughs> i'll go chargers 24 14 uh i picked 23 13 last week and if you know uh, the colts offense wasn't a potato i would have been pretty close um but like the rams can do things uh i mean they can Move the they ball can. down the field occasionally with uh-huh. Baker Mayfield's 4.1 A dot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this Chargers run defense is still kind of a work in progress. So I wouldn't be surprised if Cam Akers and maybe they put together a couple good drives. Uh, so I think this is still probably a lower scoring game. I don't think this gets too crazy unless either side starts committing a lot of turnovers, which I don't mm. suspect happening because um, the Rams haven't really been doing that. Uh, you know, too often in the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. uh, neither have the Chargers. So, yeah, I'll say 24-14. Yeah, I think that's fair. Just uh, really quickly, it is also an Ode Abushi revenge game. He is going to <laughs> play. Oh, God, I got to change uh, my score. Hold on. It's <laughs> <laughs> 25 to 12. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he he just got a fine, so he, he is mm-hmm. back. He, he won his appeal, so Ode will be playing. Um, obviously, the Rams going with a lot of other injuries, so I'm going to take the Chargers as well. I I had to laugh earlier in the week when ESPN like uh, put out their uh, model prediction scores. They had the Chargers winning this game like 44 to 12. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> They're uh, on the right track. On what I'm seeing. <laughs> They're on the right track. That's all I'm seeing. If the offense hits you know, greater than 30 this week, I think I'll be very, very happy with that output. But um, I'm always going to pick the Chargers to win. I'll say uh, 27 to 17. So I think the Rams have enough on offense to to at least make the Chargers sweat a little bit. Um, Sean McVay, I think, is just doing a, a great job with this uh, with yeah. this group. So um, I do think yeah. the Chargers win relatively easily, but you know they'll uh, they'll sweat sweat it out for a little bit in the second and third quarters. And who knows? Maybe we'll get a third quarter touchdown this week. Perhaps can we include that in our picks this week? (laughs) Third quarter touchdown is a point. (laughs) I mean, if you guys want to, (laughs) little prop bet action. I'm down. All right. Uh, Do we have to guess the player? Over under 0.5 third quarter touchdown. Okay, hold on. Let me get that set up for us. Let's All right. Well, that. while Tyler gets this set up, uh, we're going to take questions next here mm-hmm. for about uh, 10, 15 minutes. We'll see how the mm-hmm. time goes. So uh, yeah. if you guys have any questions here in the chat, feel free to uh, <laughs> hit us up on uh, whatever your heart desires today. So uh, again, questions for about 10, 15 minutes. Feel free to uh, fire away. 
Is is the seven points that you put up for Ode Ibushi, Tyler, like, is he going to do a J.J. Watt, like, goal line fade type of thing? <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> that's I'd a like, great question. I'd l- I'd no, uh, Jacoby Myers is going to get traded to the Chargers, and he's going to throw <laughs> the ball back to Ode, and then Ode's going to score. <laughs> Man, that uh, that video of J.J. Watt from 2014, I, yeah. I, did, I completely forgot about them running goal line fades to him <laughs> as a tight end. Awesome. It's just Did he have, awesome. like, three or four touchdowns? Yeah, he had three touchdown receptions, and then he had like two pick sixes that year. <laughs> so, all three of those, all three of those touchdowns. He had two pick sixes. Yeah, but that goal yeah. line fade from 2014 is is probably more goal line fades than Lombardi's run this year. Um, so no, I think that's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over this week. I think this wow. is the week that the, the streak ends. Wow. So I'm I'm going over, putting my neck out for uh, this Chargers offense. Uh, you know, hopefully they figure it out. See, I need to make up some ground on Steven here. So do I do I, go, okay, I, <laughs> I like my picks though. So I'm I'm also gonna go, go over. I'm not desperate. Next week I'll go desperate, but I'll take the over, go. I believe. Mm. They're scoring 175. It has to go in the third quarter <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I'll I'll go under. I'll I'll go nice. under. I need now to make fun. up some ground. I picked Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and Deshaun Watson this week. I don't know why. I don't know how my picks always get to this point. I'll take the under. There we go. Maybe, maybe the Chargers somehow get up big and they put in Chase Daniel in the second half. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I don't think. Uh, meh. It could happen. I mean, they've had chances for it too. But I'll, I'll take the under until I'm proven wrong. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. We'll get to some of these questions next year. Um, wanted to start with this one from Drew. Um, obviously, Tyler did his you know top 10 ranking in terms Gosh. of Drew Trinkle and how that fits. Um, he wants to know, where would we rank Zant Asante Samuel Jr. as far as ranking Chargers players this mm-hmm. year? Um, top 20. Oh, wow. That's, um, a, that's a little low for me. Well, he would be in the top 20, but I don't mean like... I- I mean, well, he's not in the top ten, is he? I mean, so, I'm just trying to, I'm just okay, trying to think of the players. Right. I get what you mean. I think it's tough because statistically, he's given up this like the seventh yeah. most passing yards in the league. So it's not like you know he's been elite lockdown. Yeah. So not but, top five. I don't think top seven or eight. It really comes down to how you sort Davis, yeah. Asante Samuel Jr., and Bryce Callahan. Yeah. I'll say top fifteen. I mean, I just. If I can think of ten Chargers players off the top of my head, I just I don't think mm-hmm. Asante Samuel Jr. would be in that group. But obviously, he can. You know, he he's played enough to put himself in that range. But obviously, I'm not going to rank him over Austin Eckler and Mike Williams and you know a bunch of the other guys that are in the top ten, including Derwin James, Joey Bosa, you know, et cetera. Yeah, I, I guess I would also have to. You also have to figure factor in injuries here, like. I mean, Joey mm-hmm. Bosa, obviously top yeah. 10 talent, top five talent, but mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to be playing his fourth game this week. So, right. Um, Mike Williams missed a lot of action. I mean, obviously, you're if not you make a 2022 this year. Yeah. If you make it 2022 specific, then, you know, then I think you can make the case for him being top 10. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah. I just yeah. thought of 22, 22 specific. You're talking about just kind of in general. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's sort of where I was thinking. But if, if, you, if we're just talking 2022 specific, then yeah, he's probably. 10 to 12. All right. Help me with this one because I couldn't figure this out yesterday. Who are you ranking higher 
2022 specific, Asante Samuel Jr. or Michael Davis? Uh, Michael Davis for me. Michael Davis. Okay. Um, I think, yeah. like, I, I tweeted the, the league statistics out, right? And Michael mm-hmm. Davis is tied for sixth on the year in forced incompletions, and he's started eight games at this point. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Michael Davis is just playing that. And yeah. I don't think he's I, – I, like, I don't think, like – cornerback one is like a, mm-hmm. a thing for him i think he still has some limitations but yeah. i think in terms of like a cornerback two status i think michael davis is playing as good as any cornerback two in the league right now yeah and i, I think last year you certainly can make the case that asante samuel jr was you know better than uh, michael davis obviously but michael davis ever since jc jackson went down he's been taking the number one assignment right there's been no michael davis is primarily covering byron pringle like this year he, he's been covering <laughs> he's been yeah. covering tyree kill and really whoever's wide receiver one on any uh you know given week so given that that's his assignment and how well he's done with that um i i think you have to put him at number one over uh asj I agree with that. We'll get to the next one here. Uh, The fit-free style kid wants to know, what do you need to see from the offense this game to be confident going into the playoffs? I'm going to loop in next week as well. So, obviously, the Chargers have have two games against two, you know, poor opponents to uh, get their offense lining up with the defense. So, Alex, we'll start with you here. Uh, What are your thoughts on this question? Um, I would just say more consistent drives and less three and outs. And obviously, like, the things that they can fix in the short term, right? Like, look, Joe Lombardi's still going to be the offensive coordinator for that playoff game. You're not getting rid of, you know, the all the stick plays and the congestion in the middle of the field. That's probably still going to be there in the playoffs, and it's going to be on Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and, uh, you know, Josh Palmer to kind of make the best of that. But just the things that are easily correctable, right? Like using your 6'5 wide receiver and your 6'8 tight end in the red zone, like, yeah, it'd be nice. Um, if you could do that, like that's something that's easily fixable and can put points on the board for the chargers. Um, right. So just, I guess, fixing what they can going into the playoffs and, you know, just being a cleaner offense as a whole. Um, obviously you'd love to see some more action in terms of like, just we've talked about getting Herbert on the move, more Herbert play action, Herbert passing touchdowns. Um, although, you know, given the last couple of weeks, that might be a lot to ask for. Uh, but yeah, so just easier offense as a whole. I remember Steven talked about last show, um, just safety valves for Justin Herbert as well, uh, which it doesn't feel like he really has right now, uh, in terms of like when a play does kind of break down and he's back in the pocket. So yeah, I would just say easier offense as a whole, um, you know, more consistent drives in terms of getting to the red zone, which, and then obviously kind of converting and, and changing the personnel on there which is something that Joe Lombardi can easily fix if he mm-hmm. wanted to this year. Yeah. Along that same vein, like you talked about, yeah, get it to your big tight ends, you know, get it to your big receiver. I, we talked about this heading into this game. I wanted to see them with more intention, target someone like Mike Williams. I think I just want to see everything. Herbert will make the difficult, insane, impossible throws several times a game, at least certainly once a game, he will lead you on the drives when necessary off script or on script, whatever. But I just want to see them establish the norm, the normal of this offense a bit better. I want to see them run the ball better. I want to see them roll out Herbert like they're supposed to. I want to see them kind of make things easy. Or, you know, hey, if, if the other corner is terrible and Mike Williams is just better than that corner that day, like he was against, the, I think, the Browns, 
you just keep targeting them, you know, until it doesn't work or whatever. I just want to see them establish a nice normal rhythm because Herbert's going to give you the fun stuff, the the amazing stuff, the off script stuff. It doesn't matter who your coordinator is. He can just do these amazing things, you know, especially with the chemistry he has with the receivers. But I just want to see a nice normal rhythm to get into the postseason. Raise your floor a bit more because Herbert's always going to have your ceiling. Yeah, I think those are, are great conversations, great points. Um, I, I think for me, outside of obviously like scoring more points, right? Like that's what we're talking about here. Um, I think they need to stay. They need to find a way to stay out of third and long situations. Um, that's been mm-hmm. one of the mm-hmm. the bigger weak points of their season in general. Obviously, a lot of personnel issues, right? But um, you know, there's still a bottom tier first and second down offense right now. And you know, once you get into the playoffs, and you're going to ask justin herbert to go into cincinnati or into buffalo or into jacksonville and and ask him to win third and eights constantly like i think that's just not a recipe for success so um, first and second down efficiency has to improve over the over the next couple weeks and in the playoffs if they're going to make a serious run yeah and and playing into that just feels like the last month of the season in particular they've been taking more of those early down penalties which i mean have just been you know kind of drive killers particularly uh, in the Titans game, in the Colts game. Um, so, you know, that's something that I think needs to be cleaned up as well. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. All right. R- Rye Guy TV has a question here as well. Biggest X factor for this team to mm. make a real playoff run. Um, I mentioned Kenneth Murray earlier this week. I think he could mm. qualify. Um, I think Joshua Kelly mm. could also qualify, especially if they're going into some cold weather games here. Um, those are the two that kind of stand out to me uh, right away. Um, I mean, the, the, whatever the running back tandem is, uh, I think that's kind of you want to make the playoffs in the postseason, blah, blah, blah. You have to run the ball. And I just think the Chargers, it's kind of a running back issue sometimes the last couple of weeks more than an offensive line issue. I feel like even like especially Joshua Kelly, the last game, like there's just a bit more there and hasn't quite been there. They just have yet to really outside of two games establish a nice run game. And I think if the Chargers can do that, you know, the difference between you know, second and eight and 10 versus second and six, you know, would be huge for this team. If all they do is run curls on second down because they're running, you know, stick or whatever, fine. Cause that could almost work on second and six, but you know, second and 10, second and nine, like you wonder why they're always in these third and two, third and one situations because the run game, that first thing they do on first down just isn't quite working. Yeah, um, this kind of loops into uh, Isaiah Cooper's question that he asked here, which is, you know, who is the one player um, that needs to dominate in the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl other than Justin Herbert? Um, I really feel like when you talk about these teams that, not that the Chargers aren't talented, but obviously they wouldn't be picked against, you know, the Bills or the Chiefs, um, you know, in those kinds of games. And we saw this with the Bengals last year. If you have a dominant wide receiver performance for two to three games in the playoffs, um, that can really carry you. Mm-hmm. At this stage of his career, I don't think that that guy is going to be Keenan Allen. Um, obviously, would love to see him in the playoffs and, and would love to see what he's going to be produced. But I'll go with Mike Williams. Um, mm-hmm. I think that you know his advantage, size advantage that you can kind of exert over corners in the playoffs is big. Um, I think that you know you can just kind of picture him having a couple hundred yard games string together and he is kind of the chargers receiver in spite of this offense right now that has you know the easiest path to getting there um and just kind of exerting his pressure uh on a defense like we saw earlier in the season with him and obviously kind of in the middle stretch uh of 2021 last year 
you know, like the Browns game and, and sort of all those games that happen. So, um, yeah, if you're looking for one player, I kind of go with Mike Williams. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, I think especially because he really is their best source of explosive offense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something that they really need to lean into, as, as Tyler kind of mentioned here. So um, another guy, obviously, you know, uh, dealing with some uncertainty long term, who's also been kind of an explosive source of offense himself. Yeah. Uh, is Mr. Donald Parham the tight end? A couple questions about him. Uh, Aiden Murphy talking about his long-term future here. And then also Jake Z wants to know if we think Donald Parham uh, isn't capable of being a true tight end one. So uh, Tyler, any thoughts here about Donald Parham's future and his uh, potential still? Based on what you would view a tight end one as, and there's definitely tears to this, but I don't think think at this point you can count on him to be a tight end one if he develops into that at some point great but there's nothing about the last three seasons that suggests that you can really rely on him to do that um it's unfortunate and some of it's not his fault but you you can't go into any of these seasons going like okay yep that's our tight end one because you just can't trust him to be on the field um and then his long-term feature with the team is he a he is a a restricted free agent is he a restricted free agent though no do you know what Oh, he's just un- un- unrestricted. He's free agent. unrestricted free agent. I have him as restricted on on Spotrac, Restricted. So maybe that's restricted. Okay. Um, I, and again, still like that's not like exclusive rights. Like Fahoko will be back because he's exclusive rights. Mm-hmm. So, um, I could see him being back. It depends how they feel about McKitty for sure. If yeah. they have a new coordinator, I don't entirely know that Parham is back. Um, if Kevin Coger. Mm-hmm leaves i don't know what kind of staff they're going to have if lombardi leaves right but um i don't know i i I just i love him when he's on the field i think he's awesome i mean he showed on the 38 yard play that got called back that he still got it and he's still elusive he's still a really good weapon and they wanted to do so much with him but you just can't rely on that um i mean i'm not saying he's like justin jackson but it's it's kind of worse than justin jackson because he just has not been on the field um, as much as you love him. At some point, you got to move on. Yeah. Um, I, I, in terms of being a tight end one, I think that at one point that was the dream, you know, for the Chargers. But even going into this season, it never felt like during training camp or, you know, the preseason that Donald Parham or this coaching staff thought that Donald Parham was like capable of being a tight end one, right? I mean, they, they sort of prioritized a little bit the development of, like, Trey McKitty. They obviously signed Gerald Everett. Um, so, like, you know, um, took Xander Horvath in the draft for whatever that's worth. Um, so, like, it never felt like Donald Parham was, like, a priority for the coaching staff this year in terms of, like, getting him to, like, have a breakout season. Um you know, so in, in a way, I think the decision to potentially move on from him in terms of him being the tight end one was already being made. Depends on what his free agent market is this year, too, because I think there's obviously an argument that you would want him back. I think this coaching staff would want him back to just, you know, have him as a weapon, have him, you know, uh, have a full year in this offense, hopefully health permitting. Um, but yeah, he's a restricted free agent. I don't imagine he would get a big money deal. But I would also, you know, mm-hmm. I can't imagine him exceeding really anything over like two or three million in the free agent market. Um, just don't think he's had that kind of season this year, um, unless a team like really wants to just take a shot on his potential. So uh, at this point, I think it's possible he's back with the Chargers, but um, 
don't think he's done anything to really like guarantee that. Yeah, I don't think there's any guarantee here. I, I think he, sh- I, I would lean towards bringing him back um, mm-hmm. and letting him and Trey McKitty kind of ballot it out for that tight end three spot. Um, I don't think, I don't know if Tom Telesco would necessarily uh, cut uh, a former third round draft pick, right? Mm-hmm. You know, next year, like that's, that's probably something mm-hmm. to consider. But I think if you, are not in kind of this Saints offensive world. Yeah, you're probably looking at three tight ends next year. So a lot of that depends on who the offensive coordinator is, obviously. So yeah. if Joe Lombardi is back, I would expect Parham to be back too. Draft a tight end, and then your four is the rookie Gerald Everett, Trey McKitty, and Donald Parham. And I think you feel good about that group, depending on which you know tight end you draft. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you bring him back at the right price. I don't think he's a tight end one. I, I've never really felt that. I've always felt that like high tight end two is, is kind of his ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he's been very valuable since he's been healthy, right? He's had some very crucial plays for this team. But I just don't think he's well-rounded enough to be a true tight end one, in my opinion. Yeah. And then I would include him as an X factor in the postseason, like the other question asked. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, we'll, uh, we'll take one more question here. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to ask a question, if we missed your question earlier, uh, feel free to bring it back here now. Um, Optimus rhymes Stone Smart. Uh, I mean, I guess they could like Stone Smart too, but uh, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd rather just bring back Parham. Okay, one more question here. If you guys saw one earlier that you liked, feel free to uh, bring it up. Just go for it. Oh, you, you didn't find one yet. Gotcha. I did not find one yet. What better way to end the year than a food question if you'd like to <laughs> submit it uh, in the live stream comments below? Mm, there's that question about Herbert and cover three. I'd have to know what other like I don't on off the top of my head know what the the Bengals are doing or the Bills. Um, the Chiefs will continue to be themselves, and Herbert will still throw all over them. Yeah. So the the question that I was talking about was based off of the Colts game. Was Herbert still having issues with cover three, or was there? Improvement? Oh, that one. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I mean, I wouldn't say cover three was the issue with the Colts game um, in terms of like just watching it. Um, I think in that game, it's just, you know, how the offensive scheme, mm-hmm. how this offensive scheme in particular works against cover three, where Gus Bradley is just going to play everybody in back and keep everyone, you know, uh, keep everyone behind the sticks. And then of course, you know, just kind of run to the tackler. And that was such an issue, you know, for the chargers in that game. Um, so I think it was more the offensive coordinator matchup and, and the, the theories that both of them have as opposed to what, what Herbert did against cover three. Obviously, if you look at from a, from a stats point, you know, he threw the interception, but like that wasn't really a cover three interception. Um, you know, it was more just it. Herbert kind of got unlucky and everything was clumped in the middle of the field. Um, don't, don't really know if cover three was an issue, but again, would kind of need to watch the game back to really like, know. Yeah, I mean, they the Colts were definitely ready for a lot of the Chargers' deep, deep option routes that they like to run. Um, you know, it just there was no counterpunch, right? It was just like, oh, we're just going to lean into stick and we're going to lean into these short zone concepts. We're going to run the ball. 
I think if the Colts offense were better, we might have seen a different offensive approach, right? Like I think Lombardi was pretty comfortable with uh, the situation there, and that could certainly, you know, lend itself towards a more conservative approach. But to me, like, I, I don't know if we can really tell if there were any cover three issues because the, the Chargers were just not pushing the boundary at all. So um, I just – the offensive game plan was not at Raiders level for me, but it was it was not fun to watch the, the, the tape of what the Chargers were doing on offense. Yeah, I'll agree all around. Um, all right. So, uh, Teresa asked a couple questions about the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll get to those and then we'll wrap up. Uh, he says he's at the age where I don't stay up for new years and he wants to know if we are there. And then he also wants to know if we have any new year's resolutions or if we believe in those. So I'll answer the, the staying up thing. Uh, I'm going to bed at probably like 11. I, I don't stay up late, like hardly ever, unless I absolutely have to. <laughs> Why would you get to 11 and then not go to the next hour? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I also, I also have to wait. I also have to wake up at like 6 a.m. tomorrow to, to drive down to SoFi. So, uh, yeah, I'm not uh, staying up past midnight and I don't really ever do that anyway. Um, last year, it was the first year I didn't stay up for New Year's, not because I didn't want to. It was like, you know, we'll wake up, uh, you know, we'll take a nap after dinner, had a huge dinner, a couple drinks, maybe we'll wake up and, nope, completely slept through the entire year. So it was like, I woke up at like two in the morning. We're like, oh, we missed it. Um, I will probably stay up this year, but don't tweet me either. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've stayed up the last two years, although I'm planning to stay up this year. Um, but yeah, like Tyler said, if you, if you have an alarm after dinner and it doesn't work, then I guess you didn't stay up. Uh, so yeah, no, can't, don't think I hopefully will be up for new year's, but, um, wouldn't bet on it. Uh, if I was on DraftKings or anything like that. Uh, and then in terms of new year's resolutions, I, I try and stay away from like that specific term. Right. But I, like, I do have like goals and things that I try and work on, but um new year's resolution to me is just kind of you know a a short-term thing that kind of doesn't stick usually for me if i I phrase it that way like i mean like the way my brain works i have i have to phrase it like a very specific way and if i'm like have a new year's resolution that's too like short term for me Mm -hmm. so i guess like Mm -hmm. yes and no for me i don't know if i have a resolution but you know i want to keep my 4.0 and get my master's and graduate with honors and all that. I'm getting married this year. Um, I'm supposed to get my big boy job this year as a teacher. So not really a resolution. It's just things that got to happen that need to happen. Yeah. Don't know if I have any resolutions. Um, don't think I have any. <laughs> cool. Sounds good. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Appreciate all the questions. Appreciate everybody tuning in here. Um, had a fun one uh, with the uh, lessons and best moments from 2022. So if you missed that, go back and uh, rewatch this after we log off here. So it uh, looks like Tyler has ditched the hat. Uh, Tyler, any final thoughts, man? Uh, resolution, find better hats. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Um, Alex, any final thoughts? Uh, resolution. I hope that we the Chargers exist in 2023 where I get to the prediction segment for the game and I don't think 30 points is too much. Uh, that is the <laughs> Chargers New Year's resolution uh, for 2023, yeah. both uh, for the playoff run and for the fall. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Um, you know, I, uh, I'm excited for this weekend, you know, obviously the chargers game, uh, I'm going to be there tomorrow and then obviously going to the, uh, Rose bowl on Monday. So going to be a fun weekend. So hope everybody has a, a great time celebrating tonight. If you're going to watch the, uh, college football playoff games, I hope your, your team, if you have one wins, uh, especially Arjun, hopefully, uh, Michigan can give him a, a good birthday present. We're, we're purple and black today intentionally to piss off Arjun. Hope TCU <laughs> wins, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> there you go there you go all right so we'll be going uh live after sunday night football tomorrow obviously uh tyler and i are going to be at the game so we've got to be able to get back to his house my hotel uh be able to uh you know uh have enough time to prep and things like that so we'll see you guys uh tomorrow night again if you are listening to this make sure to leave a rating and review i always appreciate that and uh we'll see you then everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body including those involved in hormonal balance from functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.